electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, live from separate locations. Futures are red. Markets digesting jobless claims, that Twitter hack. Big earnings from J&J, Morgan Stanley. We'll talk to James Gorman later on this hour, along with Laxman Narasimhan of British conglomerate Reckitt Ben Kieser, maker of Lysol. Jim, heard you talking with Becky a moment ago about how you're not that impressed with some of the pre-market action today. Yeah, look, I think that the future stay down no matter what happens. We get a great report from Morgan Stanley, which we can hear. It doesn't matter. Johnson Johnson, better than expected. It doesn't matter. Abbott Labs, complete blow away. It doesn't matter. Uh, Taiwan Semi last night, fantastic. Doesn't matter. Apple uh, price bump, doesn't matter. Amazon. And when you get like that, that just says, okay, look, let the sellers get their job done. There's some agenda here. They're obviously not caring about news. They're not reacting to better retail sales, which I thought was terrific, or even uh, jobless claims down again. Every time that happens, there's usually a, a great trend up. But someone's a seller. When I say someone's a seller, there's, there is big money that wants out right now. I think a lot of people are very confused about what's going on. NASDAQ, Amazon down 10% since the, since the week began. So consequently, uh, there's, a, there's no bid underneath, no matter what the companies say. That will change probably midday. I think it's an okay day. All right. We'll see, Jim. Obviously, um, we talk about the market looking forward uh, through some of the news flow. And, you know, you take some of the bank commentary about second half growth versus first half. It's not nearly as constructive. And we'll see whether Gorman backs up what City and Wells and J.P. Morgan have said this week. Well, look, I do think, and David, you've got to chime in on this, that the losses sure. are far lower than expected. And yet there's a kind of a ennui. I mean, each bank has been saying, you know what, we just went through the greatest stress test in history and we came out with flying colors. And flying colors is equal to a down one to two percent for all of them. That's not what I would have expected. Uh, people just do not like this group, David, and they are still not giving anybody their due. James Gorman, whole new model, much higher, uh, much less risk, uh, nine times earnings. What? Well, why? Well, I think in part it's got to be that people don't expect anywhere near the level of financing activity that we saw in the first half of the year. And certainly in that condensed period from, let's call it, mid-March or late March until end of June, uh, Jim, you know, you just can't maintain that. Or can you? I mean, how many companies are going to need to go back to the equity and or debt markets to raise more money? We see Norwegian filing for another $250 million worth of stock. Um, but, uh, you know, there's that. So it's seen as perhaps a one off. There's still a lack of M&A activity. And here I'm talking more about you know, the likes of Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley that do rely a lot on that. J.P. Morgan to a lesser extent than some of the others. So there's that. And then there's just the concern about continued reserve bills that are going to need to happen, given the uncertainty out there, given the rising caseloads in so many states and the prospect of potentially future closures or at least lack of economic activity or, or lessening of economic activity. Well, I think, Carl, those of us, we all bank at different places. Uh, bank of America, it's completely it's been so easily digitized. Isn't it terrific? It's like PayPal. No. It doesn't matter that, that, that Brian, that Moynihan has come up with it, the digital bank. Goldman Sachs, unbelievable what they've been able to do is be able to make it so that they just have a giant wealth management business that doesn't have a lot of risk. And they did great in m and No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do. Bank of, Bank of America, the, the, the stock, this quarter wasn't that bad. It's not worthy down three. Michael Corbett did a pretty good job at Citigroup. Uh, Charlie Scharf was the only, Wells Fargo, the only bank that was really bad. But you know what? These trade as if there is one bank. It's a you know, J G B C W. What do I come up with? It ain't fine. I'll tell you that much. There's no fang here. And, and I just, I was, well, I was okay. one of these banks. I'd be like, wow, what do we have to do? I mean, any ideas? Uh, again, Jim, it goes back to what they've said on the calls this week. Wells, 
Our view of the length and severity of the downturn has deteriorated considerably. City, the pandemic has a grip on the economy, and it doesn't seem likely to loosen, not to mention the data that, just, uh, that David just mentioned, 31 states with uh, rising caseloads records, uh, states getting religion on masks, governors, at least some of them. Uh, that's what maybe the market's king on, don't you think? Yes. And I think that what we have to try to do as people who interpret the news and report the news is decide is, is to, uh, let's just say, shine, shine some light on the bank executives who have tried to deal with that head on. Ten years, Gorman, ten years, and we're going to be hearing from him, has made it so that he is not one of those banks, that his bank is a flow of fun, not credit risk bank, and no one cares. We have to start distinguishing because this is not just this ETFization. I'm not saying that I, that I, you know, Star Spangled Banner from Morgan Stanley, but I mean, they're not doing it the same way. We have to stand up and pay attention to that because that bank should not be valued as low as it is. And when we ask Gorman, we have to try to figure out whether he himself just says, I don't know. I throw up my hands, buy an E-Trade, make it so we don't have a lot of credit risk. I guess it doesn't matter because if you're in PayPal right now, you're saying we're $200 billion going to $400 billion. If you're Morgan Stanley, well, what are you saying? Well, we're or, or Goldman Sachs. We're $77 billion and we're going to $77 billion. How is this possible? All right. But, but Jim, does the, does the lack of response to what has been largely positive numbers from the banks, and I'm excluding Wells Fargo from right. that, does it reflect more broadly in terms of what we can expect in the market? Is it a reflection of the economy overall? Can we expect to see that that kind of sentiment is starting to creep into other areas? Or are they just going to continue to be this group that is penalized because of concern about the future, concern about, you know, things like uh, their ROEs and their the capital retention uh, and the election? And I mean, you can throw in a, a lot of different things. The, yeah, or, or is it a sign of what may be coming? I think it's more of, of uh, the the former, not the latter, because other than Jamie, Jamie Dimon did have this, you know, a gripping moment where he basically just says, we don't know what's going to happen. And therefore, that gives you a 12 multiple as soon as you say that. But I just think that some of these banks have worked very hard to not look like what they uh, used to be. And nobody cares. And will one day people care? You know, something uh, Sure. I, I have to believe they will. I have to believe that you cannot. Look, Kellogg used to trade with General Mills, but you should trade with uh, uh, Kraft. Which you, and then they became differentiated, and suddenly they don't trade together. Kraft upgraded today, but I, I, I don't know why. I think it's just because the others have just broken out. We happen to have a company tonight, today, David, uh, uh, Record Bank User. They make Lysol. Well, yes. all of a sudden, they're worth a hell of yes. a lot more than a company that, 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 that makes cornflakes. So there is differentiation occurring in some groups. There is. There is. Jim, and do hopefully you think the that- governor of Georgia won't, won't not prevent people from using Lysol the way he's telling them that they don't actually have to have masks. But, yeah. yeah. That, that's an amazing story. Uh, Isn't on a, that? a day when Georgia's had its second, second highest uh, reported hospitalization. Uh, Jim, do you think there is a suppressive nature that David mentions the election to uh, Biden with uh, 11 point lead uh, worries or thoughts, at least, about who might be Treasury Secretary under a Biden administration? Well, they are building things. People are beginning to build that theory in. Uh, and I think people are struggling about which of the things that most that matter most, uh, the inconsistencies of, of the president versus a consistent but not necessarily uh, stock friendly agenda of, of uh, a, a candidate of Biden. Uh, but we're all kind of I think we're, we're really vaccine, no vaccine. Uh, And today was a day that Johnson and Johnson uh, put out some very good news about the vaccine, but they did not Moderna it. Okay, and Moderna, it means we're the best. We know more than everything. We're fantastic. You don't know anything. And J&J is a very non-promotional company. But what they said about doing two tests, not only for people who are, uh, I'd say, not going to get knocked out by this thing, but the plus 65 cohort they're also going to give a test to. Um, they've got billions of vials. They're ready to go. Moderna, I think, would be to ramp up, would take forever. And yet, because the uh, the people who are gripped by day trading and gripped by uh, the stuff that Meg Terrell talks about, it's not exciting enough. No one's buying the stock market because of J&J. They bought the stock market because of Moderna. And that's not making a lot of sense to me, frankly. 
right, guys, we got a lot to get to. As we said, we'll talk to James Gorman and Morgan Stanley after the break. We'll get to some of the downgrades, Peloton, Disney, Cisco. Uh, you won't believe the comps out of Domino's. And, of course, what happened at Twitter last night. We're back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. I mentioned a moment ago, it's our job to put these bank earnings in, con- in some sort of, let's just say, uh, so you can understand why one goes up and the others go down. Morgan Stanley posted second quarter results that blew past analyst estimates, one stronger than expected trading revenue. Let's get some context here. Joining us now, first on CBC, is Morgan Stanley Chairman and CEO James Gorman. James, it is always great to see you. It's great to be with you, Jim. Thanks for having us. All right, James. We have seen some terrific top-line growth, much more than I thought, from almost all the banks. But a lot of that growth is credit-based, and that means it's got risk. Yours is fee-based, which to me is more constant and sticky. Tell us about the changes you've made and why your bank should not necessarily be valued like others. Yeah, well, uh, thanks uh, for that observation. I couldn't agree uh, more right now. But, you know, the the whole business model change of the last decade was to move us into stable recurring fee-based revenues to give us the balance at the same time to have a world-class investment bank, which has always been our core DNA. And this quarter, you saw exactly the combination of both of those. So, you know, we haven't been in the unsecured credit, uh, consumer credit space. We're very small in the emerging market credit space. We're basically non-existent in small business, middle market lending. They're not the businesses we're in. They're not bad businesses, but they're not our businesses. Well, so when sur- we produced the revenues, we didn't have the credit losses that, that would typically come in this kind of economic scenario. And that's what I want to drill down on. Uh, when I looked at the provisions of the other banks that reported, actually, they're rather large. Some people just said, Jim, you're being, we have to be conservative. But your provision is actually remarkably small versus the other banks. It's just business mix. I mean, if we had a large card business, for example, credit card business, we'd have provisions that would reflect that. We, you know, our, most of our uh, wealth management lending is to our existing clients, highly secure, collateralized. Uh, you know, we had basically no defaults across all of that, no provisioning across all of that franchise. And that, but that's the business model. It's it's with intent. You have spoken to me many times about the idea of a wealth management business that doesn't have government risk, a wealth management business that is really sticky. So let's talk about the E-Trade acquisition. I feel in many ways that E-Trade is a feeder. It's the place where people cut their teeth. They get started. You don't want to seem to wait until people get wealthy like the old days to get an account at Morgan Stanley. Will E-Trade be part of a, uh, a continuum where you get them young and then they continue to grow and you hold them all along? Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, people find their and have their financial wealth managed in three different forums, basically. One is some sort of advice, financial planning. We've nailed that. We've got that through the combination of Smith Barney, which we built. And at the last decade, that business is doing great, two and a half trillion of assets. The second is through their place of work. It's usually on the back of 401k type plan, stock option plan. Uh, so those kinds of businesses. And we've now got that through the Solim acquisition and E-Trade has that, and combine those two together, we're going to be number one, I think, in the whole stock plan business in the country. The third is the digital platform. And they tend to be, as, as we've noted over the years, either active traders, uh, options traders, emerging investors, and they have a younger profile. And that's what E-Trade has. So it gives us a channel into that investor base, which we didn't have before. Some of them will, over time, become full-service advisory relationships. Many of them won't, and we're agnostic to that. So it's a, it's a really terrific opportunity to participate in some of the fast growth in this segment. Hey, James, it's David. Um, you know, let's start on, stay on E-Trade for a second. You, you said during the call that they've attracted hundreds of thousands of new accounts. You also said it's real money, not just kids playing. 
which yeah. I would assume is maybe a reference to what we've seen in this Robin Hood phenomenon, this level of speculation in certain stocks in the market. What do you make of that uh, when you say oh. not just kids playing? Yeah, I mean, it's probably being a bit flip and, and <laughs> certainly not having a dig at anyone. But, you know, there's there's been a bunch of stuff written and you guys probably talked about a lot of people sitting at home. You know, markets going crazy. Everybody gets excited. People put their two thousand dollars of savings in. That's not a strategy, right? We saw that in 2000 with the dot-com thing. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of that now. E-Trade is a more mature business model than that. It has it has hundreds of thousands of active traders, uh, professional traders. It has, as I said, the workplace business and people whose money goes into stock plan, best into their E-Trade account. And then it's got the uh, uh, folks just in, who want to invest and want to have a relationship online. What, what's different about their business model, I think, from some of the pure electronic plays that, that have started up in recent years, is the dollar asset per account. They're attracting several billion dollars a quarter right now, almost at the level that we are across all our wealth management business. That's what I mean by real money. Right. When are you closing that deal? Uh, let's see. I think the shareholder vote with E-Trade is uh, imminent, like today, July 17th, so it's tomorrow. Uh, just looking at my calendar here, being a bit distracted. Um, we we hope to get Fed approval. Um, I'm you know highly confident we'll get the approvals. I'm not sure of the exact date, David, but somewhere somewhere in probably the first half of the fourth quarter. So it's coming really soon, and it's accretive to our deposits. It helps our funding profile and helps our CT1 ratios. So uh, you know I'm I'm really excited about this deal. I just think I just think it's it's a great transaction of a stock for stock. Uh, we've got to know their management team. I really like these folks. I think it's just culturally going to fit. It's going to be great. Um, James, all right, I want to switch to the financing markets, which were just incredibly strong. I want to get your sure. take on it. But more importantly, what are your expectations for the second half of the year? It would seem almost impossible to maintain the same rate of uh, a momentum uh, and activity that we saw for that three or four month period. Uh, or is it possible? No, I think it's hard. It's possible. Uh, it's highly unlikely, though. And, and, you know, I think this quarter has started off, you know, very solid, but, you know, not at the level that we're in. I'm uh, trying to think what the the most sort of ebullient month was, I guess, was March early. Uh, I'm sorry, April, early uh, May. Um, you know, still a lot of financing going on. Uh, a lot of M&A deals now getting signed up, which is interesting. That sets up, you know, it's the pipeline for next year. We won't see those revenues in the back half of this year. But we're going to see them next year. And, you know, it, you know, somebody said recently, M&A doesn't go away. It just takes it takes a hiatus in times of absolute uncertainty because CEOs don't want to commit. As the economy continues to strengthen and as hopefully we get past the worst of COVID, although the outbreaks in the south and western parts of this country are, are troubling, um, M&A will come back more strongly. So. Uh, do I think we're going to repeat the first half? No, I don't. Uh, do I think we're going to have a poor second half? No, I don't. I think our business is very stable. Uh, James, I was listening to Brian Sullivan this morning. And uh, 25th anniversary of Amazon, if you put $10,000 in Amazon then, uh, you have $12 million. Uh, Have we seen the peak? I hope you did that, Jim. No, well, I, I bought $10,000 <laughs> with books, not stock. Yeah. Uh, th- have we seen the peak in indexing? You've got great advisors. Uh, E-Trade's got a lot of interesting things to be able to help you pick individual stocks. There is great wealth being created if you bought Apple or Facebook and Amazon. But if you just bought the S&P, not so, not so well. Are you set up for this new generation of, of people who are just really enthralled with individual stocks and we don't talk about them that much? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we are. There's clearly a pipeline of the next generation, which is really exciting. And and people want to be educated about the financial markets. We can help both in the education, the research, and obviously we bring so many companies to market. You've got pipeline, you've got flow, you've got product. Uh, but just talking about active management, I mean, I just want to give a call out to Dennis Lynch. Uh, unbelievable, uh, his growth funds, what he's done. Number one again this year across all of Morningstar. You know, you can create alpha through a really smart long-term investing. And Dennis and his team, have done an unbelievable job, and that's created enormous wealth for a lot of our clients. So there, there are ways to navigate these markets rather than just being an index. Now, if I've always said if you've got $39,000 to invest, you don't mess around with individual stocks. You should be an index, and, and uh, unless you're you know, very young and you don't have financial responsibilities, uh, but as you start developing your portfolio, 
you can create alpha over time and our alts platform does that as well. Hey James, you were quoted on the call this morning saying that you'd love to expand the dividend in time and get back on the buyback train. Uh, we don't want to sit on this capital, uh, you said. Uh, can you talk about uh, the likelihood of either of those two things happening? Yeah, it sounds like, Carl, I can't see you guys uh, on my screen here. But, um, yeah. you, hey, you, know, uh, you know, Carl, it's interesting. We, our dividend is um, a buck forty a share. We've got uh, a billion and a half shares. So our total payout is about two bi- a little over $2 billion. Uh, we just earned $3 billion this quarter. Uh, you know, the first quarter, we're, we're roughly $5 billion through the first half of this year. So we've made almost two and a half years of dividends in the first half of this year. Uh, the Federal Reserve results showed we had about 300 basis points of excess capital on our CT1 ratio. We'll accrete further capital with the consolidation of E-Trade in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm, I'm highly confident we're going we're gonna to accrete earnings in the third and fourth quarter of this year. So we're, we're already sitting on you know, six to 10 billion of excess capital. We create higher ratios with CET1 from E-Trade. We've moved, uh, we've added another 3 billion net of our dividend already this year. So, you know, we're talking about 10 to 15 billion of excess capital, plus we're still arguing uh, for some relief on the PP&R, the way not to get too weedy about it, but the way it uh, calculates FA compensation. So yeah, we need to do something with this. We can invest in our business, we want to have world-class technology. We're going to invest in that. We're investing in the next generation investors that Jim's talking about. That's critical to our future growth. We also should increase our dividend, and we should be we should be back on the on the buyback trail. Uh, not just yet. Let's get through the new stress test in September. Let's see how the economy performs in the next three six months. But 2021, you know, Morgan Stanley should be doing something with this capital for the benefit of our shareholders and for our clients. Well- James, let's talk about the growth side, because I think that no one's ever no one's going to give you credit for for a future dividend raise. But they should have been given credit for something you mentioned is a throwaway, which I think is one of the most exciting acquisitions you've made, uh, which is the Solium, because that, again, is sticky assets. And we all follow the stock market here or else you wouldn't be watching. Tell people what workplace wealth solutions mean, because that's one of my favorite businesses that you have. Listen, it's a great question. We, you know, there was an interesting story. We we had a workplace business. Uh, We weren't managing it great. Uh, We we outsourced it to Solium, which is a company based in Calgary in Canada. Uh, They did an unbelievable job. And I don't know if you remember the ads. I remember growing up in Australia watching Victor Kayam with the razor company. And he says, I like the razor so much, (laughs) I bought the company. And uh, I I always loved that idea. Well, Solium did such a great job managing our stock plans, we went and bought the company. And so we bought them back, um, <laughs> paid about three, four hundred million premium on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. Uh, a lot of people thought it was expensive. I could care less. It was it was <laughs> a rounding error. What we're buying was a platform combined with E-Trade that makes us number one in the workplace. So what is workplace? It's where you have money in a stock plan or stock options and those vest. E-Trade then converts them into E-Trade accounts. We didn't. They went to whatever bank or institution somebody had a relationship with. We can then provide research. We can provide product. We can engage with the C-suite to manage their personal wealth. It's just a great growth story. A lot of money comes through where people are working, and we want to be part of that channel. Fidelity's done a great job in that space. We want to do a great job right. in that space. No, come on. Uh, James, James, real quickly, uh, the uh, the world we live in right now, you know, and the world that we've been a part of, you're working from the office. I can see it. Um, How many people are going to be working from your office, let's say, at the beginning of this year? How are you viewing things at this point? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough, David. I came in. I've been coming in a day a week for the last few weeks just to get in the flow, do the temperature tests, go through the app that we ask all our employees to do you know, see how the elevators are working. I want to live and experience it a little bit, and I want the senior management to do that. I don't want to be here all the time. That's not because I can't be, but I don't want everybody to feel like they need to be in the office all the time. Um, I'm not sure the infrastructure in the city and in our building can absorb the number of people that were working here uh, pre-COVID until we have some level of immunity or treatment. Give you a sense of numbers. Um, up until the start of July, we had about 250 people in this building, including a lot of security and healthcare workers. 
uh, on a base of 5,300. Today, we're probably, um, I don't know, mid 300s. We'll be, you know, 600 to 1,000, I think, through the early fall. And, uh, you know, my long term sort of start of the year globally is right. we'd have about 50% okay. of our employees in the offices. Not every day uh, of the week, but about 50% of employee hours worked would be in the offices. But, uh, you know, a lot of ground to cover between now and then. So all right. we're going to go really slowly, David. The, the, the plan is working well. Our people are working well. Okay. What I care about is the feeling safe and sound. Unfortunately, James, we're going to have to cut short. Uh, but no congratulations. Good quarter. And we will talk to you soon. Got to take a break. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Let's get to the opening bell here in just a moment. Uh, busy morning as we've been talking about earnings from J&J, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America. Retail sales up 7.5, obviously not as good as the prior 17.7. Uh, and claims, uh, 1.3 million is the first rise in unadjusted claims since early April. People watching that. There's the opening bell at the NYSE Digital Media Solutions, celebrating its IPO. And at the NASDAQ, Oncology Biotech, Relay Therapeutics, also celebrating its IPO. David, interesting to hear uh, Gorman talk about coming back to work because yesterday Amazon, celebrating 25 years, by the way, today, yeah. said they see work from home through 2020, uh, as did uh, Viacom in an employee memo. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of companies, I think. And by the way, it's 25 years since they began the website. Uh, the company went public in 97. Um, but you're right, uh, Carl. Quite a few employers uh, in New York City, and you would imagine in other areas as well, given this is not now a New York issue uh, at all, are delaying what was seen as the reentry of many of their employees. And Mr. Gorman seemed to indicate the same for Morgan Stanley. Really amazing when you think 5,300. There are roughly, what did he say, a few 300 or so in the building, perhaps ramping that up to as much as 1,000 in the fall. But nowhere near uh, capacity. It continues to be a question. And Jim, you know, we haven't talked as much about the virus of late, but it's raging in a lot of states that we know well. Uh, and we're not even near the fall and flu and cold season, when, by the way, if you were in an office environment and people start sneezing or coughing because they're sick, you're going to be overly concerned, perhaps, or very concerned, even if they don't have the COVID virus. Look, I think David... One, one thing we've seen, especially for, say, Goldman's quarter, uh, big 
big transactions are occurring uh, via Zoom, some places, of course, being WebEx from yes. Cisco. And uh, I, the idea that you have to go back, I know Jamie Dimon like to go back. I know a lot of the guys at Goldman, they want to come back, but uh, they want the, the bosses want people to come back, but they don't want to go back. The work from home thesis since Friday has just been in tatters. And I question whether that should be the case, given what we've seen in Florida, in Arizona, in Texas, in California. I think the work from home thesis is alive and well. Uh, we're going to be speaking to uh, Bankit uh, Rankeyser, David. They, Lysol's killing it. Yeah, and I just Lys- really think Lysol that people—it's just people should not abandon the work from home thesis. It's too early. No, you know it's funny because Gorman mentioned mergers and acquisitions. There's a hope that it will pick up at the beginning of this crisis. You guys may remember I was referring to a slowdown there in part because of the lack of face-to-face meetings. Right. But like so many other things, everybody's adjusting. You heard earlier this week when we had analog devices on. The CEO indicated that entire deal had been done virtually. Now, he did have a a, a relationship with the Maxim CEO, at least in some way. But I'm hearing that more and more. There is a willingness now to move forward with major transactions where none of the principals actually get in a room together, which is really amazing when you think about it, guys, but is the current reality. And to Jim, your point, it just indicates behaviors change and willingness to engage in these kinds of things changes in terms of people staying home. And yet at the same time, the NASDAQ, where there's so much uh, technology that's meant to be able to make it so that you can do that, whether it be the, the Zoom or whether it be all the cyber, uh, we're going to have to talk about cyber attacks. Uh, it, it's relentless, the selling in the NASDAQ. The Dow is just doing so much better. And yet the NASDAQ is the repository of what makes it so that you can do those deals. Uh, Carl, what it shows you is, I think, uh, right now, the market, the big buyers have had it with the idea that the Nasdaq is so much better. And when you start doing this price to sales, Peloton downgrade today, Pelot- price to sales too high. Uh, people want to go back to price to earnings. But when they want to go back to price to earnings, they're not willing to go back to banks, which have the lowest price to earnings. They're kind of huddled in different areas like a caterpillar. It's very hard to understand what people want right now, Carl. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the Nasdaq is just going to continue to go down until people say, hey, Amazon stopped. Let's go buy Microsoft. Amazon is what's telling people what to do. Yeah, it's it's not a clear picture. You mentioned the Peloton downgrade uh, to UBS today. They they cut to neutral, but they raised the target because they were at 48. They go to 58. They raise their numbers. But when you're trading at four times 2022 revenue, Jim, they say it's expensive. People are sick of that. Uh, what do they want? They want Dollar Tree. They want Lowe's. They want the uh, outside trade. They want Thor. Another upgrade call for a Harley Davidson. I mean, this thing, it's getting so much love. You got to believe it's wow. going to go higher. Uh, and they really just don't have any love for Fang right now. Um, I think that the love for Fang always seems to come back. Uh, but there is ennui. I really do think it's on we. Instead, they're revisiting quarters that really weren't that bad where stocks went down. So, uh, United Health being the best example. United Health had a, just a dynamite quarter, and people just said, uh, you know what, they borrow from the future. And then analysts come back today and say, wait a second, that is one cheap stock. So I'm looking for companies that are uh, being rethought about as being cheap. I predict that Morgan Stanley tomorrow will be higher than it is today. Interesting. Uh, guys, I'll give you one stock that's a lot right. harder today than it was yesterday, and that is Dell. Um, no. You know, we've talked about this previously. A few weeks ago, of course, the journal, to give them credit, broke the story I followed, perhaps with a little bit more detail, but thought people certainly believed that likelihood was high that they were going to pursue the spinoff of VMware. Yesterday, the company essentially saying it is at least investigating that. Now, Question as to why they felt the need. Well, VMware does have a 10B5 program. They do need to buy back stock. Perhaps that was part of it. They wanted information out there into the marketplace before they did this. Uh, As we pointed out at the time, guys, the transaction itself can't occur until September of 21 due to tax reasons. It's got to be at least five years since they actually bought the asset um, before they spin it off. But what will take place now and gives it what I'm hearing at least is a high likelihood of occurring is the negotiations about how you keep, how you make Dell an investment grade company. So you offload debt, but you also, or send it a big dividend from VMware that allows it to pay down a significant amount of debt. How big will it be? Could it be 12 billion, 15 billion? That will be a negotiating thing. Governance will be something that they'll have to negotiate as well in terms of whether it will, uh, they'll give up their super votes to, to, to some extent. So a lot to come here, uh, talks with the rating agencies, but you can see the response once Dell made uh, 
made public what we already had told people was likelihood. And again, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it does appear to be on a track as this year moves ahead and as as next year does for September of 21. You know, David, this is one of those in Canada. It's driving me crazy. That thing's not going to happen for a very long time. In the interim, you're going to get several quarters. Will Dell deliver good quarters? They did take a lot of share from HP in the last last one. Uh, I think VMware is doing incredibly well. Uh, it's been a little bit suppressed by this. But in a couple of days, we're going to forget that. This market has no memory even for the good. Uh, and I just I question whether Dell can yeah. sustain this rally, given the fact that there's just tremendous selling pressure on any stock that goes up very big. Carl, we're in a weird moment. And the, the best one, the best example is there's just a huge amount of day trading right now. And I am not against day trading. It's incredibly fun. It can be incredibly lucrative. Guys who do it, please, women who do it, please don't get mad at me. But let's just talk about Norwegian Cruise Lines for a second. This company cannot sell. Okay, it cannot sell. It does have 22 months of liquidity. But the day traders bid this thing up furiously yesterday. So what does Norwegian do? They hit the bid for $250 million. That's exactly <laughs> what you should They just jammed the day traders. It's hilarious. They took advantage of guys who don't understand the balance sheet, Carl. Uh, $250 million in, I think, New Common, right? And then yeah. another $900 million yes. in debt. Yes. Royal Caribbean. Uh, Memo to Richard Fain. Royal Caribbean. The day traders took you up gigantically yesterday. Go to work. Call your banker. Jam it. <laughs> uh, Jim, you know, Boeing is the Dow laggard this morning. You got uh, worn notices out of American now. We know United's yeah. at work on it. We got a code share between American and JetBlue for the New York area, and that's all leading to uh, worries about overcapacity. Delta's going to keep the middle seat open beyond September. They're not giving an end date for right. that. So to all of this, the, the, this, the Disney downgrade today, uh, saying that there's a meaningful chance that the parks could be forced to close again. Florida and California housing their two parks account for right. a third of the new case growth. Um, so all of this sort of funnels into the same space. Vaccine. Need a vaccine. Got to have them. No choice. We'll take a break here, guys. I think I'm hearing music. Uh, We'll talk about Twitter, uh, of course, and uh, the impact on that company and Facebook. And then, as Jim said, the CEO of uh, Record Benkiser, uh, the maker of Lysol, in a market that is definitely coming in their direction. Dow's down 150. Last week, Lysol was approved by the EPA for use against COVID-19. Joining us now is Laxman Narasimhan. He's the CEO of Record Ben Kieser, and he's here, of course, to talk about, well, a lot of uh, the company, a lot of the products at the company, including Lysol. Nice to have you this morning, Laxman. Thank you for joining us. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, have you seen a bump up in Lysol sales since the EPA said this is an effective way to get rid of the virus on surfaces? I think from the time of the start of the uh, a pandemic, we have seen a uh, a lift in sales of Lysol as well as other products like Dettol. Um, and again, it gets to uh, consumer trust in brands like this that have been earned over a long period of time. Lysol over 140 years, um, ever since it was introduced, and Dettol, which is a brand over 80 years. And these are brands available around the world. So yes. Um, you know, of course, that gets us to the sales of the company, which were up sharply in the last reported quarter, as we might expect, given what you just mentioned. But the key question is, will that continue? Are people just loading their pantry with many of your products or are you continuing to see significant increases in usage? You know, our portfolio has um, has been set up to um, uh, to capitalize on four tailwinds, as we see it. The first tailwind is um you know, demographic change, urbanization, globalization, that is making infectious diseases, communicable diseases, you know, quite an important thing. We, of course, couldn't have predicted this, but, you know, we have brands like Dettol, Lysol, and others that play in that space. 
We have a second part of our portfolio that is in the area of sexual well-being. You know, there's one million sexually transmitted infection, infections every day. And Durex is a great brand, and we have a portfolio of products in that space, again, available globally. There's a third part of the portfolio that is really all around self-care. We see hospitals under pressure, medical systems under pressure. We see self-care, OTC particularly, brands like Mucinex, Nurofen, uh, Gaviscon, these are great brands, power brands, again, available around the world. That is the third part of the portfolio. And the fourth part of the portfolio, right. we see, in fact, in even nutrition, so Enfamil, Airborne, others like that. So that part of the portfolio is actually well set for this time. What we're seeing consumers do is there's clearly a big hygiene sensitivity. So you see a greater increase in penetration and frequency. We don't expect that to stick for a long period of time, but we do expect it to be at higher levels. We saw that happen during SARS and in MERS. We do see pantry loading, you know, products like Finish or yeah. people are cooking at home, yeah. you see that. Um, right. And we do see, um, you know, uh, some pantry loading happening with OTC and Infant, and that's playing itself out over time. Um, here's a question I thought I would never ask, uh, Lachman, which is, um, are people having less sex during oh, this uh, pandemic? Well, let me just put it this way. Um, this is a family show, uh, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> the, the number of intimate occasions is down in a few countries because as you think of it, uh, the level of socialization is low. And so it has had an impact on Durex. But we have an e-commerce business that is very strong. E-commerce is about a single teens part of our entire business. In the first quarter, it grew at 50%. If you think of Durex and how it plays in the e-commerce space, it is absolutely set up for it. Uh, we have operations in 53 countries. Uh, you know, Durex had a big uh, quarter online. Uh, and we continue to see great progress in that uh, direction as people look for privacy as well in, in, in this area. Well, I'm not as interesting as David Blacksmith. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have a dirty mind. <laughs> I am holding up something, though, that is bothering me about your company. I am holding up Airborne. Now, when this pandemic started, I used to take an Airborne gummy every single day. OK, and I was thrilled to have them because I had them before. I can't get them. Now, what how does it work? What's the hold up? What is why can't you work 24 seven? Maybe you are so that I can get my gummies. <laughs> Uh, Jim, first of all, I'm sorry you aren't getting your gummies. Um, Airborne's really taken off, as you can well imagine. People are concerned about immunity. A factory in Salt Lake City is working around the clock to ensure that the gummies are in your hand. We have increased lines. We have increased capacity. Our intention is to do even more. Well, again, what I think that I'm kind of thrown off is, is that there are products that you have. Uh, Lysol, for instance. I, mean, I, I, I hate to say but I can't get Lysol. I want Lysol. Now, I did hoard Lysol initially. I've gone through all my Lysol. Again, I know you've probably got some factory working 24-7, but, you know, I, I don't get it. If we think that hygiene is important, why can't you do Greenfield Build in America of new Lysol plants? Because you just don't have enough Lysol. And if we're going to stay hygienic and deal with this pandemic, we need more Lysol. So, Jim, um, you'll be glad to know that we are, in fact, doing just that. We have increased capacity. Just so you know, in Q1, uh, Lysol grew over 50% year over year. We are investing in lines. We are investing in capacity. We're changing the way we work. Our first focus clearly is the protection of our people. But we are doing things as well in order to ensure that that happens. We have a factory just out of Wuhan, outside of Wuhan, that makes Dettol. We cut our SKU count by 80%. And in some SKUs, we're making 10 times what we did. If you look at the amount of sanitizer we are making, we're making 20 times the amount of sanitizer in July as we did last year. So it just gives you a sense of the demand that there is and the fact that we are responding. There's more capacity coming along every single day. And we hope that as we get into the fall, there will be even more and there'll be more coming on next year, both with co-packers as well as lines that we're putting on that are our own. Fully get you, Jim. We want to be sure you get the gummies and we want to be sure you get the Lysol. And we're going to work hard to make that happen. And the sex? <laughs> well, Jim, that's, that's, in, uh, that's really in your hands, Jim. I'm looking for you and David to really, you know, uh, make a difference here. But the reality is that right. humans are humans. It's going to come back. I, and it is coming back in places like that. I, 
I take responsibility for taking us there. But it was a it was a reasonable question, given given the importance of, of some of those brands in your portfolio. But Loxham, let me talk about, you know, you mentioned uh, digital sales, for example. You also have been an aggressive user of TikTok, for example. I think you had a campaign that had 88 billion. I think I'm reading this right. Views, which seems almost hard to imagine. Um, yeah. Is that an effective way to get to consumers? There's a lot of talk amongst this administration of potentially closing down to some extent TikTok in the U.S. I just wonder what your thoughts are about that in terms of its effectiveness as a media platform. Well, part of the reason I'm also here today is to talk a bit about our record global hygiene institute. Um, you know, we feel that uh, evidence uh, needs to be sharpened and a partnership with a range of universities that are actually going to help us get that evidence. But also, we need to communicate it in a way that people change their behavior. And this is where this campaign that he talked about, the short video campaign that he talked about in India that we did. You know, it's an earworm of a song. I mean, my kids like it, uh, but, you know, it's an earworm, 20 seconds. We thought it'd be a few billion. Actually, David, the number's updated. It's 124 billion views of people learning how to wash their hands. This is as simple as that. And it gets to this notion that we have to make a difference, not just in creating evidence, but also using behavioral science and insights in order to get people to behave differently. We're seeing a lot of difference in the way individuals and, by the way, groups are behaving. And we've got to fix that. And this form of making that kind of communication happen in simple, effective, engaging ways is a great way to make that happen. Um, and Lachman, back to sort of how you view the second half of the year and, you were, and, and beyond. Um, you were talking about the increases in capacity that, you, capacity that you're focused on. How do you, though, make sure that you don't have too much out there uh, if, in fact, we do get a vaccine and behaviors change? Or do you believe that behaviors will remain what they are now, even after, hopefully, we get a vaccine? Um, so first of all, we really hope we get a vaccine. We really hope we get treatment because what's happening out there is way more important than, uh, than what's happening with us. I just want to first of all say that. But in the meantime, we do have products that can actually meet what consumers need. One thing we have seen is that if behaviors change for 60 to 90 days, they actually do stick. We saw that with SARS. We saw that with MERS. I don't think you'll have the peak that you had but you will see a change in behavior. And we are seeing that with the penetration and frequency increases we see. So as we look from now to the end of the year, you know, we're continuing to make progress, first of all, to ensure that Jim gets his airborne gummies. That's a big priority. Mm -hmm. Also ensuring that we want to ensure that all the consumers get the Lysol that they need. But at the same time, we're being thoughtful about how we expand, building in flexibility, perhaps even at higher cost, to ensure that our supply chains are resilient, to get consumers what they need, but at the same time having some flexibility as we go. All right, so Lakshmi, you've got this uh, the Reckitt uh, Global Hygiene Institute, which is absolutely terrific. But while we've been being, while we've interviewed you, I got an email from Uber. It says Uber is now Clorox clean. Looking for disinfecting wipes in your next ride? This is not unusual. They've also done this with airlines. When is Reckitt Global Hygiene Institute going to be able to say what, what like Ben Odor has been doing? That look, it's Lysol clean because this is a great new business. If you look at the work that we've done with the Hilton chain. Um, you know, it was a combination of Mayo Clinic, Hilton and us. Uh, Chris Nassata made an announcement of uh, Hilton uh, stay. You know, it's a it's a state program with Hilton endorsed by Lysol. Uh, we have made a variety of other announcements as well. Uh, Avis, for example, is will be Lysol free or Lysol clean. Um, if you look at uh, a variety of organizations around the world, uh, we're not prepared to announce them yet. But there's several others that we're in deep discussions with. And uh, we believe that Lysol has the trust credentials to help get to the anxiety that consumers feel. That we're in a hotel with the Hilton brand name on it. They know it's been cleaned and Lysol has provided that kind of trust mark for them. Loxman, I really appreciate you taking some time with us today um, and all the different places that this interview went. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you very much, David. And Jim, my son's a fan, so I'll uh, ensure I let him know that... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that I saw you, and well, and we'll just be sure we <laughs> got you. Good stuff. Yeah, booyah. Take care. Uh, you never know if you don't ask, David. Uh, in the meantime, we briefly took out yesterday's low 
on the Dow, the Nasdaq, and the S&P. Holding 3211, though. We're back in just a minute. Rough 24 hours for Twitter as uh, that unprecedented hack disables many accounts uh, last night, although market seems to be taking it in stride, really uh, no lower than it was a couple of days ago. We'll talk with Robert Herjavec later on this morning about cybersecurity and how it pertains to social media these days. That's coming up. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. This Twitter hack, not talked enough about. I've got to tell you, I think you need an outfit like a Palo Alto Network, which is Nikesh Aurora. Come in. We've got to figure out whether this is nation, state, chaos, particularly ahead of an election. We've got to find out about that. Or whether they, were, uh, they got 50, 75 passwords. We don't know. We probably haven't seen the end of this. No matter what, you've got to bring in cybersecurity. This is way too big for Twitter. And we do not want nation state ahead of an election. Uh, does it sour you on Twitter in general, Jim? No, I just feel that we, because Twitter's, I, I think, has become very, uh, it's not farcical, but it's like, but I don't like the fact that it was so, maybe they've got a couple of people inside. I don't know. Uh, but I think that the company uh, is much more of a, yeah, it, it's, it's more of a, it needs something. It needs sports to go with. It, it's not a place that people are talking right now is what I would say. And this doesn't help. Not sure. at all. Well, we hope to learn more from Twitter support. Uh, tonight, so to Palo Alto tonight, right? No, no, I wish it were. Nikesh, if you're out there, why don't you come on and explain what to do? I've got Mark Bristow. Barrick is just an incredible <laughs> stock. Noah Kerner, we've got a very special t- uh, program tonight. I'm part of it. Noah Kerner, Acorn's a great way to save. Rich Allison, Domino's, some of the greatest uh, comp stores in history. Uh, Nikesh, I'm counting on you. I'll find room because this, this hack was a bam. David? Um, no, never mind. Yes. It, <laughs> it, it was bad. Up. It was a bad hack, Jim. It was. They hacked you. They hacked your brain. <laughs> no, they didn't. We'll see you tonight, Jim. Mad completely Money. reasonable question. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.